0: Legacy. Part 3. Legacy. What dangerous paths I have trod in my life. What crooked ways these feet have walked. In my homeland. In the tunnels of the Underdark. Across the surface Northland. And even in the course of following my friends. I shake my head in wonderment. Is every corner of the wide world possessed of people so self-absorbed that they cannot let others cross the paths of their lives? People so filled with hatred that they must take up chase and vindicate themselves against perceived wrongs, even if those wrongs were no more than an honest defense against their own encroaching evils. I left Artemis and Trary in in Calimport, left him there in body and with my taste for vengeance rightfully sated. Our paths had crossed and separated to the betterment of us both. And Treri had no practical reason to pursue me, had nothing to gain in finding me but the possible redemption of his injured pride. What a fool he is! He has found perfection of the body, has honed his fighting skills as perfectly as any I have known. But his need to pursue reveals his weakness. As we uncover the mysteries of the body, so too must we unravel the harmonies of the soul. But Artemis and Trey for all his physical prowess, will never know what songs his spirit might sing. Always will he listen jealously for the harmonies of others, absorbed with bringing down anything that threatens his craven superiority. So much like my people is he, and so much like many others I have met of varied races, barbarian warlords whose positions of power hinge on their ability to wage war on enemies who are not enemies. Dwarf kings who hoard riches beyond imagination, while, when sharing but a pittance of their treasures, could better the lives of all those around them, and, in turn, allow them to take down their ever-present military defenses and throw away their consuming paranoia. Haughty elves who avert their eyes to the suffering of any who are not elven, feeling that the lesser races somehow brought their pains unto themselves." I have run from these people, passed these people by, and heard countless stories of them from travelers of every known land, and I know now that I must battle them, not with my blade or army, but by remaining true to what I know in my heart is the rightful course of harmony. By the grace of the gods, I am not alone, since Brunner regained his throne the neighboring peoples take hope in his promises that the dwarven treasures of Mithril Hall will better all the region. catterbury's devotion to her principles is no less than my own, and Wolfgar has shown his warrior people the better way of friendship, the way of harmony. They are my armor, my hope in what is to come for me and for all the world. And as the lost chasers such as Entreri inevitably find their paths linked once more with my own, I remember Zach Nefane, kindred of blood and soul. I remember Montalio, and take heart that there are others who know the truth, that if I am destroyed, my ideals will not die with me. Because of the friends I have known, the honorable people I have met, I know I am no solitary hero of unique causes. I know that when I die, that which is important will live on. This is my legacy. By the grace of the gods, I am not alone. Drizd Duarden Chapter 11. Family Business Clothing flew wildly. Bric-a-brac smashed against the wall across the room. Assorted weapons spun up into the air and twirled back down, some bouncing off Bruner's back. The dwarf top half buried in his private locker, felt none of it, didn't even grunt when, as he rose for a moment, the flat side of a throwing axe struck and dislodged his one-horned helmet. "'It's in here!' the dwarf growled stubbornly, and a half-completed suit of chainmail whipped over his shoulder, nearly clobbering the others in the room. "'By Moradin, the damned thing's got to be in here! What in the nine? Thibbledorf point began, but Brunner's ecstasy cut him short. I knowed it, the red-bearded dwarf proclaimed, spinning up and turning away from the dismantled chest. In his hand, he held a small heart-shaped locket on a golden chain. Caterbury recognized it instantly, as the magical gift Lady Illustrial of Silvery Moon had given Brunner that he might find his friends who had gone into the Southland. Inside the locket was a tiny portrait of Drizzt, and the item was attuned to the drow, would give its possessor general information about Drizztu Arden's whereabouts. This'll lead us to the elf, Bruner proclaimed, holding the locket up high before him. Then give it over me, king, said Pwent, and let me find this strange friend of yours. I can work it well enough, Bruner growled in reply. "'replacing his one-horned helm atop his head "'and taking up his many-notched axe and golden shield. "'You're the king of Mithril Hall,' Quint protested. "'You cannot be running off into the danger of unknown tunnels.' "'Caterbury ripped off an answer before Bruner got the chance. "'Shut your mouth, battle rager,' the young woman insisted. "'Me dad throw the halls to the goblins afore he'd be letting Drizzt stay in trouble.' Cobble grabbed Went's shoulder and got a nasty cut on one finger from the mini ridged armor in the process, to confirm the woman's observation and silently warn the wild batterager not to press the point. Bruner wouldn't have listened to any arguments anyway. The red bearded dwarf king fires a glow in his dark eyes, again blasted past Quint and Wolfgar and led the charge out of the room. The image came into focus slowly. Surrealistically, and by the time Driz to Arden fully awakened, he clearly recognized his sister, Verna, bending low to regard him. Purple eyes, the priestess said in the drow tongue. A sense that he had played out this identical scene a hundred times in his youth nearly overwhelmed the trapped dark elf. Verna, the only member of his family that Driz had ever cared for, besides the dead Zaknafein, stood before him now. She had been Drizzt's mother assigned to bring him, as a prince of House de Warden, into the dark ways of drow society. But thinking back to those distant memories, to times of which he had few, if any, recollections, Driz knew there was something different about Verna, some underlying tenderness buried beneath the wicked robes of a priestess of the Spider-Queen. "'How long has it been, my lost brother?' Verna asked, still using the language of the Dark Elves. "'Nearly three decades! And how far you have come, and yet so close again to where you began, and where you belong!' Drizzt steeled his gaze, but had no practical retort, not with his hands bound behind him and a dozen drow soldiers milling about the small chamber. And Trevi was there, too, talking to a most curious dark elf, who wore an outrageously plumed hat and a short, open-front vest that showed the rippling muscles of his slender stomach. The assassin had the magical mask tied to his belt, and Drist feared the mischief Entreri might cause if he were allowed to return to Mithril Hall. "'What will you think when you walk again in Mansel Werner Verna asked Drist, and though the question was again rhetorical— "'It drew his attention fully back to her. "'I will think as a prisoner thinks,' Drizzt replied. "'And when I am brought before ma... before wicked malice... "'Matron malice!' Verna hissed. "'Malice!' Drizzt repeated defiantly, and Verna slapped him hard across the face. "'Several dark elves turned to regard the incident, "'then gave quiet chuckles and went back to their conversations.' Verna, too, erupted in laughter, long and wild. She threw her head back, her flowing white tresses flipping back from her face. Drizzt regarded her silently, having no idea of what had precipitated the explosive reaction. Matron Malice is dead, you fool, Verna said suddenly, snapping her head forward to within an inch of Drizzt's face. Drizzt did not know how to react. He had just been told that his mother was dead. And he had no idea of how the information should affect him. He felt a sadness, distantly, but dismissed it, understanding that it came from a sense of never knowing a mother, not from the loss of Malice Duarden. As he settled back, digesting the news, Drizzt came to feel a calmness, an acceptance that brought not an ounce of grief. Malice was his natural parent, never his mother, and by all of Drizzt Duarden's estimation, "'Her death was not a bad thing.' "'You do not even know, do you?' "'Verna laughed at him. "'How long you have been gone, lost one?' Driz cocked a curious eye, "'suspecting that some further, even greater revelation was yet to be spoken. "'By your own actions, House Twarden was destroyed, "'and you do not even know,' "'Verna cackled hysterically. "'Destroyed?' Drizd asked. Surprised, but again, not overly concerned. In truth, the renegade Drow felt no more for his own house than any other in Menzo Baronsen. In truth, Drizd felt nothing at all. Matron Malice was charged with finding you, Verne explained. When she could not, when you slipped through her grasp, so too did the favor of Loth. A pity, Drizd interjected, his voice dripping with sarcasm. Verna hit him again, harder, but he held firm to his stoic discipline and did not blink. Verna spun away from him, clenched her delicate but deceptively strong hands in front of her, and found breath hard to come by. Destroyed, she said again, suddenly obviously pained. Taken down by the will of the Spider Queen. They are dead because of you, she cried, spinning back at Drizd and pointing accusingly. Your sisters, Brisa and Maya, and your mother, all the house, Drizztuartan, dead because of you. Drizzt gave no outward expression, an accurate reflection of his absence of feelings for the incredible news Werner had just thrown at him. And what of our brother? he asked, more to discern information about this raiding force than for any sincere cares about Dinan's well-deserved demise. Why, Drizzt! Verna said with obviously feigned confusion. You have met him yourself. You nearly took one of his legs. Driz's confusion was genuine until Verna finished the thought. One of his eight legs. Again, Driz managed to keep his features expressionless, but the stunning information that Dinan had become a Drider certainly had caught him by surprise. Again, the blame is yours, Verna snarled, and she watched him for a long moment, her smile gradually fading as he did not react. Fane died for you, Verna cried suddenly, and though Driz knew she had said it only to evoke a reaction, this time he could not remain calm. No, he shouted back in rage, lurching forward from the floor, only to be easily pushed back to his seat. Verna smiled evilly, knowing she had found Drizzt's weak spot. "'Were it not for the sins of Drizztu Arden, Zachnafain would still live,' she prodded. "House would have known its highest glories, and Matron Malice would sit upon the ruling council.' "'Sins?' Drizzt spat back, finding his courage against the painful memories of his lost father. "'Glories?' he asked." You confuse the two. Verna's hand shot up as though to lash out again. But when Stoic Driz did not flinch, she lowered it. In the name of your wretched deity, you revel in the evilness of the drow world. The indomitable Driz went on. Sacnafane died. No, was murdered in pursuit of false ideals. You cannot convince me to accept the blame. Was it Verna who held the sacrificial dagger... The priestess seemed on the verge of an explosion, her eyes glowing intensely and her face flushed hot in Drizzt's heat-seeing eyes. He was your father, too, Drizzt said to her, and she winced in spite of her efforts to sustain her rage. It was true enough. Zach Nefane had sired two and only two children with malice. But you do not care about that, Drizzt reasoned immediately. Zach Nefane was just a male, after all and males do not count in the world of the drow. But he was your father, Drizzt had to add, and he gave you more than you will ever accept. Silence! Verna snarled through gnashing teeth. She slapped Driz again, several times in rapid succession. He could feel the warmth of his own blood oozing down his face. Drizzt remained quiet for a moment, caught in private reflections of Verna and of the monster she had become. She now seemed more akin to Breeza, Driz's oldest and most vicious sister, caught up in the frenzy that the Spider Queen always seemed ready to promote. Where was the Verna that had secretly shown mercy to young Driz? Where was the Verna who went along with the dark ways, as did Zach Nefane, but never seemed to fully accept what Loth had to offer? Where was Zach Nefane's daughter? She was dead and buried, Driz decided as he regarded that heat-flushed face, buried beneath the lies and the empty promises of twisted glory that perverted everything about the dark world of the drow. "'I will redeem you,' Verna said, calm again, the heat gradually leaving her delicate, beautiful face. "'More wicked ones than you have tried,' Drizzt replied, misunderstanding her intent. Verna's ensuing laughter revealed that she recognized the error of his conclusions." I will give you to Loth, the priestess explained, and I will accept, in return, more power than even ambitious matron malice ever hoped for. Be of cheer, my lost brother, and know that you will restore to House Duarden more prestige and power than it ever had known before. Power that will wane, Drizzt replied calmly and his tone angered Werner more than his insightful words. Power that will raise the house to another precipice so that another house, finding the favor of Loth, might push down Duarden once more. Werner's smile widened. You cannot deny it, Drizzt snarled at her, and it was he who now faltered in the war of words, he who found his logic, however sound, to be inadequate. There is no consistency— no permanence in Menzo beyond the Spider Queen's latest whim. "'Good, my lost brother,' Verna purred. "'Loth is a damned thing!' Verna nodded. "'Your sacrilege cannot harm me any more,' the priestess explained, her tone deathly calm. "'For you are not of me any more. You are nothing more than a houseless rogue whom Loth has deemed suitable for sacrifice.' So do continue to spit your curses at the Spider-Queen, Berner went on. Do show Loth how proper this sacrifice will be. How ironic it is, for if you repented your ways, if you came back to the truth of your heritage, then you would defeat me. Drizzt bit his lip, realizing that he would do well to hold his silence until he better fathomed the depth of this unexpected meeting. Do you not understand? Werner asked him. Merciful Loth would welcome back your skilled sword, and my sacrifice would be no more. Thus would I live as an outcast like you, a houseless rogue. You do not fear to tell me this? Drizzt asked her coyly. Werner understood her renegade brother better than he believed. You will not repent, foolish, honorable Drizztuadin, she replied. You would not utter such a lie, would not proclaim your fealty to the Spider Queen, even to save your very life. What useless commodities are these ideals you hold so precious? Verena slapped him one more time for no particular reason that Drizzt could discern, and she twirled away, her hot form blurred by the shielding flow of her clerical robes. How fitting that image seemed to Drizzt, that the true outline of his sister should be hidden beneath the garments of the perverting Spider Queen. The curious-looking drow that had been conversing within Trey walked over to Drizzt then, his high boots clacking loudly on the stone. He gave Drizzt an almost sympathetic look, then shrugged. A pity, he remarked, and he produced the glowing twinkle from under the folds of his shimmering cape. A pity, he said again and he walked away, this time his boots making not a whisper of a sound. The amazed guards snapped to rigid attention when their king unexpectedly entered their chamber, accompanied by his daughter, Wulfgar, Cobble, and a strangely armored dwarf that they did not know. "'You heard from the drow?' Bruner asked the guards, the dwarf king going straight for the heavy bar on the stone door as he spoke. Their silence told Bruner all he needed to know. Get to General Daigner," he instructed one of the guardsmen. Tell them to gather together a war party and get down the new tunnels. The dwarven guard obediently kicked up his heels and darted away. Brunner's four companions came beside him as the bar clanged at the stone, Wolfgar and Cobble bearing blazing torches. Three then two is the drow's signal, the remaining guard explained to Brunner. Three then two it is, Brunner replied and he disappeared into the gloom, forcing the others, particularly Thibeldorf, who still did not think it's a good thing that the king of Mithril Hall was even down there, to scamper quickly just to keep pace. Cobble and even Hardy Point glanced back and grimaced as the stone door slammed shut, while the other three, bent forward with the weight of their fears for their missing friend, did not even hear the sound.